All right. Well, happy Father's Day to you guys. Glad to, glad to be here with you on, on this day uh, and uh, to celebrate with you. It, dad, daddyhood and Father's Day, it's an interesting thing. I, I get an opportunity to do a lot of uh, premarital counseling for, for couples. And uh, one of the things we always talk about in premarital counseling is your family of origin, what your mom and your dad were like. And one thing I've noticed over the years is that men in particular, I would say this, I see this in men more than women, um, men in particular... They, they have a very strong reaction to their own fathers, like in a sense of like, man, my dad was great and I want to be just like him and I hope that, you know, one day I'm like him and he had all these great qualities. Or they have the opposite reaction of like, I don't want to be anything like that man. And so there's a, there's a, a real polarizing thing that I think happens there with dads. And, and, I, and so I, I thought it would be good for us to talk about dads fathering as we just finished up a series. We're going to start another one next week and we had this week. Let's talk a little bit about what it means to be a dad, because I think there's actually a lot of confusion in our culture around daddyhood and around, around fatherhood and what we're doing there. And I think the confusion comes because it's a little harder to understand what's going on with dads in culture and, and why we have dads and what value they have. Um, when, when we talk about moms, I think it's pretty obvious, right? You go, okay, moms, like what value do moms bring to the world? It's like, well, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for your mother bringing you into the world. And then it, probably very early on, she was literally a food source for you. And then as, as, as you grew, I mean, she was there for you. And we all have these like, oh, mama was this and mom was helpful. And so we all have this picture in our head of mom, generally, almost all of us, I would say, generally have this picture of mom. That's, it's a good thing. Like, okay, she was helpful in, in the world. Um, but with dad, we're sort of like, yeah, what, what does he do? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. It's a little different. And, and I think to really get at what dads bring to the world or what they really bring to the table, I think you have to look at what would happen if you remove dads from the world altogether or remove dads from families. That's not something we need to guess about what's happening. There's actually data to show uh, that, that, like the National Institute of Fatherhood, they published this data, they put this infographic out. We'll, we'll post a link to it later for you online where you can see some of the data uh, about what's going on when there's no father present in the home. And the statistics are not good. So if you wanna know what good is a dad, look at what happens when they're not in the home. Uh, fatherlessness. Uh, Kids growing up without a father are 10 times more likely to abuse substances. They are, uh, growing up without a father, they are twice as likely to commit suicide. Children raised without a father are 44% more likely to raise their own children in poverty. 90% of kids that are homeless or runaways from their own home uh, are, uh, grew up in a fatherless house. Uh, 80% of adolescents who are in psych hospitals are from a fatherless house, and they are, uh, kids are nine times more likely to drop out of school if they don't have a father in the home. So if you look at the data, and it's pretty chilling, it's pretty significant, if you look at the data, um, dads matter. They matter a great deal, and there's a lot going on there that they, that they bring to the table. And so I want to kind of spend some time today sorting through the types of dads that you see in culture, and that, that we can be on our best and in our worst days, um, and then look at what God calls us to be as, as fathers. And hopefully, if you're a dad in this room, this will be helpful to you to kind of evaluate where you're at. If you want to be a dad in this room one day, this will be helpful for you to think through, okay, who am I setting myself up to be? If you are married to or connected to some of the dads that are in this room, I hope you will hear this and, and use this to be a support and encouragement, not to shame anybody or anything like that. I hope this is uh, supporting and, and encouraging stuff that you hear. So let's talk about the different types of dads. And to do this, 
I saw this Venn diagram a couple months ago, and I said, this is brilliant. This is really uh, fatherhood. Dads need to be, to be good fathers. They need to be physically present. They need to be spiritually cultivating with their children, and they need to be emotionally invested. Uh, that's kind of the, the perfect storm. If you can get those three things, that's, that's kind of winning in, in fatherhood. Um, and because of that, the way that diagram is set up, it, it, it leads to a lot of types of dads that kind of fit there. And so I want to go through these, and, and hopefully you'll see Areas that maybe are, are challenging to you where you need to grow, or maybe you'll see some areas where you're like, man, I'm actually doing that thing pretty well. Uh, this was challenging for me to wrestle through over the last couple months as I, as I read a book that was related to this diagram. It was a, a lot of challenging stuff. So number one, um, let's start there. A, a, a dad who is neither physically present, emotionally engaged, or spiritually cultivating his children, who is altogether absent from his children's lives. Um, Culture calls this a deadbeat dad, and the book that I read used the same terminology. So outside of that circle altogether, if you are absent from your children, they call that a deadbeat dad. You are not engaged. You are not willing to um, do anything and, and be involved. Now, I'm not talking about dads that for court reasons or whatever are not allowed to see their children who want to be engaged. I'm not talking about that kind of scenario. I'm talking about dads who choose to have children and then disengage from them altogether. Honestly, this was my, my own dad. This is mostly where he lived from, from uh, age 11 in my life and, and on. At 11 years old, my dad decided to get a divorce from my mother and leaving my brother and I there living with my mom. Um, and so we got into one of those situations of custody where I would see my dad um, on weekends, like every other weekend for the next couple of years. When my dad still lived in the home, he wasn't around much anyway. He traveled for work and he was a traveling salesman. He'd come home and I'd see him occasionally nights and weekends and stuff. And when he was home, he mostly just drank and smoked a lot. And then eventually when I was 11, he decided to leave. We saw him every other weekend for about four years until I was about 15 years old, at which point uh, we had a fight. I remember it fairly well. Uh, we had a fight, a, a disagreement between my dad and I and my brother, and we were all kind of uh, ha having words, and, and my dad basically said, fine, I don't want to see you again, and he didn't. Uh, true, true to his word, maybe the only time he was, uh, true to his word, he, uh, he was gone for the next 15 years of my life. So from age 15 to 30, um, during that 15 years, I talked to my dad one time on the phone, and I saw him in person one time. We went and hit golf balls together. And then uh, in 2006, the week before I moved to Richmond, Virginia, my mother called me, and she said, hey, your dad died yesterday. They weren't close, but she had gotten information that he walked out of the shower and had a heart attack and fell over and died. Um, I did not go to the funeral. I'm not sure that there was one. Um, and so for the longest time, I think through my into adulthood, uh, I was pretty angry at my deadbeat dad. I was angry uh, and, and determined. I was one of those that would say, I don't want to end up anything like him. And over time, as I worked through forgiveness and counseling and all sorts of things, um, I came to the point where I said, okay, um, I, I'm not angry at him anymore. I'm just sad. I'm just sad that there's no relationship there anymore, and I'm sad for what could have been. And for a lot of you men in the room, you grew up with great dads, and that's not your story. Your dad was not a deadbeat dad. But for some of you in the room, that is your story, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. When they say your dad died and you don't care, and they say, your dad died, and you're surprised how little it bothers you. You're surprised how little it affects you. Maybe you've been in that situation. Um, 
That, that's that's kind of that's kind of where I was. That's what I grew up with from age 11 on. Um, a second type of dad that you can see on the diagram here is the distant dad. This is the dad who is physically present, but is not emotionally engaged with his kids and is not spiritually cultivating in any way. Before my dad left, that's who he was. My dad had no emotional range to dial into his kids. Yes, he was there. He would come home from work, and he would be there sometimes at dinner and, and whatever, but he wasn't coming to my soccer games. He wasn't asking me how my heart was. He wasn't dialed into anything going on in my interior world. He certainly was not doing anything to spiritually cultivate us. My dad considered himself an atheist, and so that was not his thing. Even though his dad was a minister, uh, his dad da- died when my dad was, was nine, so he just kind of missed out on a whole lot of his own father. And so uh, my dad had no clue how to spiritually cultivate his children. That just wasn't on his radar, and he didn't really have any emotional range to share. He knew how to be angry and, and that, but uh, that was about it. And so he was a distant dad. He was there, but he just wasn't really there. And sometimes in our, our worst, uh, I think men can fall into this as parents. You say, yeah, I'm here, I haven't left, but you're not really there. Like you're there, but you're in sports center, you're on a phone, you're on something, you're, you're at home physically, yes, but you're not really present. There's something not connected there with your family. And I get how this happens. Sometimes even dads who long to be good dads slip into this over time because I think parenting is hard. Let's be honest, and I think it's, it's exhausting, and when kids are little, they're exhausting, and their kids are, especially when they're little, they're pretty ungrateful <laughs> for you, like they don't rise up and call you blessed or anything like that, they're just like, they're just little takers, right? And so um, I think for a lot of dads who maybe work outside the home, they, they go to work and they get accolades at work and they get the love at work and people pay them at work and their skills are valued at work and then they come home and they, and they come upon this home full of um, responsibilities and chores and tasks and, and ungrateful customers that they're around. And, and I think the temptation there for dads is to check out and go, I'd, I'd rather just go back to work to the place where people actually like me and where people appreciate what I do and, and, and all that, um, because it can be very hard at home. Um, and a lot of moms in the room right now are going, yeah, bro, let me tell you how hard it is at home. I got it. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And, 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 I, and I get that too. But the temptation is real, and I think there's a lot of guys that will check out. They may never leave, but they'll check out even while they are staying there um, at home. They don't engage their kids. They don't pray with their children. They don't tuck them in at night. Uh, They don't ask how they're really doing. uh, Over time, they just become disengaged. So that's the second kind of dad. A third kind of dad is a religious dad. So a religious dad is a dad who is physically present. They're there in the home, and they are spiritually cultivating. They just are not emotionally invested. So what this sounds like and what this looks like is a dad who gives a lot of rules, who's very legalistic, who says, this is the way it should be, and these are the rules within my house, and I'm the king of this castle. And, and, and in a spiritual sense, they say, this is what God wants us to do, and here are the rules, and here's the, the boundaries. And, and, and so they, they kind of teach all of those things in their home, but it lacks emotional engagement. It lacks heart. It's all head and no heart. It's, hey, these are the ways you're supposed to be, but, what, but it doesn't really connect to the hearts of, of their children. Um, it's all law and, and no grace. And, and honestly, you can see the effects of this in adults when they've been raised in a home like that where their dad was religious, 
but not really dialed into their, their hearts. That kind, of, that kind of parenting, that kind of culture creates atheist children. It creates children who grow up and they hate what their father was trying to teach because there was no heart to it. And they could see that it didn't really uh, engage their own dad. And so it was all rules. And, and this, is a, this is a scary one for me to think about because of my worst days, this is who, this is who I can tend to be. Um, I, I can slip into this. My oldest son got into a, a, a spot where he would call me out on it from time to time, and he, I would say something, and I would be, you know, teaching some principle or saying something, he would say, Dad, I don't need pastor dad right now. I just need, like, regular dad. <laughs> so um, I don't know if, you're, if your kids call you pastor dad, but sometimes mine do, and it's not always, like, a good thing. Um, and so the tendency there is to... to to give all those rules and to be religious and try to force something, and it just uh, brings about, I think, rebellion in the hearts of, of kids. Um, the truth is you should teach your kids the faith. You should be a spiritual cultivator. That is a good thing. One of my favorite texts from the Old Testament is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 is called the, the Shema, the beginning of it, and it is, it is this text that the ancient Jews would read every week in the synagogue. It is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It is this foundational key text for the Jewish people to survive a, as a culture and as a, as a community together. They would, they would read and reread this text together. And in Deuteronomy 6, just a few verses after that, in verse 6, listen to what it says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. What is, what is it saying? This is aimed at parents saying, parents, your job is not just to, um, it's not just to mention God occasionally. You're supposed to teach the word, teach the scripture to cultivate these things in the hearts of your children. When? All the time. Not at church time, but like when you're walking, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you're on, on your way, like all throughout the rhythms of your life. You're supposed to impress these things, dads. You're supposed to impress spiritual things onto the hearts of your children. So it's okay that we are dialed into that and that we know that and that we're working on it. Dads, this is not just for women. This is for us. This should be um, our jam. And I realize that many men have absolutely no idea how to do this. I get that. Many men are overwhelmed by the idea that they're going to teach their kids spiritually. Um, we'll come back to that here in a minute. Um, but, but the religious dad is the dad who tries to teach but is not emotionally engaged. And the kids learn all the rules but know none of the grace of God. They don't ever get the heart of the gospel. Number four is the if-only dad. Uh, the if-only dad is a dad who spiritually cultivates his children, leans into them, teaches them the word, teaches them to follow God, and, and is emotionally engaged, is asking kids about their heart, is getting into the, the interior world of their children, really dialed in. Unfortunately, they're just not really there very often. They're not physically present. And, and so it's an if-only dad because kids grow up and they go, man, dad was so great. If only he had been around more. If only I could have counted on him more. He just wasn't there. And you don't see this often, but you do see this in, in dads who maybe do some kind of work that's 
um, socially engaged or justice, you know, they're fighting human trafficking or they're bringing clean water to the developing world or these kind of things. They're, they're involved in really noble pursuits and good things and they've got a lot of things in their emotional and spiritual toolkit in order to do their job well. It's just that their job is so demanding in that way, it pulls them away from the home and they give all of that and they pour out all for other people and have nothing left to give inside of their own home. So there's a temptation there to become an if-only dad, especially if our work is really meaningful. If there's something really meaningful going on in professional lives, we can become this way. Uh, number five is the good dad. The good dad is physically present and emotionally engaged, but is not a spiritual cultivator. So this is a dad, a lot of dads, a lot of us in some ways wish we had, we, we sort of, or, or maybe you did have. This is the dad who's at your little league game, who's at your dance recital, who is there for you, maybe even coaches, maybe gets, gets super involved um, and takes a very active interest in their kids. Uh, maybe you were blessed with that kind of dad. Um, it, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 uh, puts this calling on men. Uh, it says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, this is the piece that's missing in, in a good dad. A good dad can be emotionally engaged and actually be physically present, but if they're not spiritually cultivating, they're missing something about what fatherhood is about. A good dad could be described maybe even like this, uh, at, when you're, a four-year-old might say, my daddy, and maybe seems my daddy can do anything. At eight years old, kids are like, yeah, dad doesn't know. Twelve years old, oh, well, naturally father doesn't understand. Fourteen years old, father, he's hopelessly old-fashioned. Twenty-one years old, oh, man, that, that man is out of date. Twenty-five years old, he comes up with a good idea now and then. Thirty years, we must find out what dad thinks about it. Thirty-five years, a little patience, let's get dad's input first. 50 years, what would have dad have thought about that? 60 years. I wish I could talk it over with dad once more. That, there's a lot of good in there. That's a good dad. But there's still something missing. This idea that we are called to spiritually cultivate the hearts of our children. We're supposed to train them up in discipline, in instruction to know the Lord. Dads, Think about what you're doing here with the responsibility, with the people that are in your home. What is it about? Why do you do it? What is it for? What is, what is being a dad? What is that all about? I, I'm amazed how many men will spend so much energy researching what kind of car to buy. And they won't spend that much energy researching what they're doing as a parent. We're supposed to be uh, dialed in. We're supposed to be spiritual cultivators. Um, we have to give thoughts about what we're doing there. The goal is not just to raise well-adjusted, happy kids who get into good colleges or have nice lives or any of that kind of stuff. The, the goal is to make disciples of Jesus in our homes. This is what we're doing, at least in the church. And maybe you're like, I, I'm not in on that. Maybe that's not your thing. But this is, as I see it, this is the goal is to nurture up disciples of Jesus in, in the home uh, and, and to use the home as a, as a space to, to, to teach and, and to, to connect and to be disciples. Uh, your children belong to the Lord. You are just God's ambassador to them for a, a certain amount of time. 
So to go beyond just being a good dad who's emotionally engaged in there, um, the last one is this faithful father, this idea that um, you, are, you are physically present with your kids, you are emotionally engaged with them, uh, and you are uh, spiritually cultivating that. That is the dad I'm striving to be. That's the dad I hope I am on my best days. Um, that's the dad I fall short of a lot of times, and I, I tend towards some of the other categories, but that is... Um, what God has, has laid out for, for men to be, this faithful father. So I want to introduce uh, a dad. Um, come on out, David. This is David McClary. David is um, my father-in-law. So uh, welcome, Dad. Good to see you. Thanks. Uh, good. good. Uh, David um, just retired last year from being, it was last year, right? Was, yeah. Yeah, retired last year, was a preacher for 40-plus years, um, and what, did ministry in Indiana. He did youth ministry and, and then preaching ministry in Indiana. He was in Oklahoma, California, Ohio, um, and now he is traveling, uh, doing overseas mission work in, in Indonesia um, and, and travels there several times a year supporting missionaries there and, and doing work there. Um, Dad, my father-in-law here, raised four great kids, uh, three boys, and then Abby, my wife, um, and so uh, I think they're great kids. I think it's, you did something right. I mean, not just the one I married, but the other ones are pretty good too. I, uh, so um, I, I think they had a great mom. They had a good. Well, there's that. You're a smart man. Um, there's that too. Uh, so I wanted to just ask Dad because he's been in this longer, and this is one of these deals. And maybe some of you guys feel this way. I already told you a little bit about my dad. When I got married, I felt like I got such an upgrade here. I was like, oh, sweet. I get like a dad in this thing too. Like, this is great. Um, and I've really enjoyed um, the relationship. So I want to ask you, because you've been down the parenting road 40-something years, um, what uh, this idea of being spiritual cultivator, I think, is one of the most intimidating for men. Uh, what, uh, where do you feel like you did it well? And where do you feel like you blew it? And if you don't answer the blow it one Right, I'll get my wife up here to <laughs> jump sure. in and add, yeah. add a couple things. Plenty of material, <laughs> plenty of material. Yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing. Um, as a preacher and a studying preachers, you've got to think, well, directly, you, you want to have this direct teaching, and, and so we're going we're gonna to have family worship time, we're going to have family devotions. Uh, and you read in history, you know, 100, 200 years ago, uh, they would have morning worship, they would have e- evening worship in the home, and if the dad was a preacher, not only would they read the scriptures and sing and pray, but he would actually preach every day. So he didn't just preach on, you know, Sunday and Wednesday or whatever. So that's, that's the thing in your mind. Okay, we've got to have these family devotions. But uh, we, were, we were miserable at that. <laughs> uh, we, we, did not, uh, we did not, you know, we tried. Occasionally we'd, get, you know, the short run. We weren't consistent. And... Okay. That's not me. Oh, me either. All right. Maybe God's calling um, <laughs> he wants to interrupt what I've got to yeah. say. I'm <laughs> Don't not say do what it. you're about to say next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Um, but I've been reading uh, Tozer, one of the great preachers and uh, authors of the last century, and, and uh, he didn't do it well either. So I, mm. I feel like it's maybe that's a standard that's out there that really is not, a, not, not very helpful. Mm. Uh, but what we did was make the most of meal times. Um, times we were relaxed, we'd talk, uh, hope, sometimes we'd have, we'd have fun, make it play, playful in some way. Sometimes we'd read the Bible then. And studies have shown that and confirmed that the uh, 
most important thing, if you know, not one of the most important is uh, for family cohesiveness, is to regularly eat together as a as a family. So we tried to do that on a, on a consistent basis, and it is biblical, as you've already referred to in Deuteronomy uh, six. Uh, and press them on their, their, their hearts, uh, you know, when you rise and when you sit down and when you walk along the way and all that, all that sort of thing. And so that, that's what we tried to do. Uh, but the most important thing I want to point out about that is that these commands of mine, God said, must be on your hearts. And the most important thing is dad's own spiritual walk. Uh, you may have heard it said that the uh, best thing you do for your, your, your children is to love their mom. And that's great because it, it gives them um, the sense of this family's going to last. We've got, uh, we've got security here. Uh, but beyond that, for, for spiritually, it's, it's what you have as a dad. You can't give what you don't have. And uh, the, the Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. Your children will be like you. There's no... There's no question about that. They may apply the values differently, may come out looking differently, but they will be like you because uh, children learn what they live. So it's not what you say, it's, uh, it's how you live. So the most important thing is uh, what's on your heart. Guard your, your heart. It's more caught than taught. But I certainly uh, did blow it with impatience and anger. Uh, James 1.20 says, uh, man's anger does not work the righteousness of God. And when I, when I got your questions on this, I was with the, Abby's older brother, our oldest, Ben. He's also a preacher. And I asked him about, you know, the, what I did right or wrong. He said, well, let me share, remind you of this situation at home. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a straight shooter. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't hold back. But, uh, and, that, and I appreciate and love him for that. He said, one time we were, when we were little, uh, just Ben and Abby were at home. Uh, we were sitting around the table, and there was a tea, glass of tea with ice in it. And I picked up the picked up the glass, and I was drinking from it. And as I was drinking, the ice in the glass shifted, and j- just the tea came all over in my face and down my shirt. And I set the glass down and said, in, rather shortly and loudly, I'm sure, "Can't we get a straw here?" And uh, so um, Ben said, um, "Mom." Uh, in today's parlance, really trolled dad. Uh, the next day, when we sat down to the table, uh, Ben said, we didn't, Abby and I were holding our breath. We didn't know whether uh, we, to be scared to death or to burst out laughing because when we sat down to the table, there were straws and the glasses. And I just picked one up and set it aside and picked up the glass again. So um, impatience and anger, uh, we'll, we'll blow it every time. Uh, but the way to cultivate uh, your child's spirit is the way to cultivate anything. The motivator is love. God is love. With God's kind of love, uh, committed selflessly to the other's good. Um, my dad wasn't a greatly, uh, you know, highly educated man. He grew up in the Depression, the 30s. Uh, his parents divorced when he was 12. Um, he uh, was drafted out of high school to, into World War II. I got his GED there. But he, the way he said it very simply was to, to love hard and to discipline hard. What he meant by that was to be all in and, and to be consistent, just like Jesus, full of grace and 
proof. Mm. That's, That's what good. I tried. What, what did you, so what do you know about fatherhood now that you wish you had known 40-something years ago? Well, uh, uh, yeah, I wish I realized that my child was not a mini-me. Uh, as a first-time uh, father, I was not prepared. No childbirth classes, no uh, films to watch, no books that are read. And when I was introduced to Ben, he was come, I was a dad by long distance. They called me up in the morning and said, your, your wife's going into labor because they had sent me home. You might as well come, come down here and, and see, see your son. So I go from the waiting room around the hallway, and in this little glass box is a, a something. And I feel like it was uh, Bill Cosby's um, routine on natural childbirth. Uh, this couldn't possibly be my child. He's all wrinkled and head caved in. You know, my wife has given birth to a lizard. I uh, just wasn't uh, ready uh, for that. It can't be my son. But uh, I needed to learn that he wasn't a little David. He didn't think about things like I did. He didn't, uh, he had his own personality. And, and it took me a while to get that and, and to learn that. I wish I'd been prepared. The, the scriptures in Proverbs 22 says, bring up a child in the way he should go way God has created it and, and gifted him. Uh, it's not, he's not my, not my property. He's not my product. Uh, it's not the reflection of me, what people think of me, because they see my, my children. Um, these children belong to God. And as you said earlier, I'm, 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 I'm God's steward for these years uh, for God to, for me to cooperate with God in, in that person becoming the person that God wants them uh, to be. Um, I greatly love all of my kids, but they're all over the, all over the country and world right now. And uh, people might think, well, you, you don't care too much if they're far away. Oh, it, it, it pains my heart, but we surrendered to God uh, from the time they were born. So what have you seen to be most effective? We talk about this idea of training kids up to know the Lord, what have you, what works, what, what's effective, what, how can we do it? I, I, I have a simple answer here again. Um, what we, what we value for purpose and, and meaning in life is what we worship. And there's a lot of, a lot of people will say, well, I want to, I want my kids to, to make their own choice about their, if they go to church or not, uh, I, I didn't, my folks crammed religion down my throat and, you know, I, I, that didn't do me any good and I didn't like that. Well, but, but, you know, parents will make their kids go to school and then let them choose whether or not they're going to go to church. And uh, I don't know what we're teaching is important there. We, we, uh, we just need to immerse them in our, our life and our, our values. And so I say expose them to good preaching, bring them here to listen to, to Chris because you do a great job uh, every Thanks, week. Um, you know, go to Sunday school and camp and youth group and CIY and concerts and books and, and, and everything because what you value is what they're going to value in their lives. This is, this is what's important to our family. Our family follows Jesus. This is what we do and this is what our family does. And do ministry together. When, when Ben and Abby were preschoolers, um, Thelma and I were part of a, a Christian singing uh, group that gave programs in churches and, and uh, conventions and places like that. So we rehearsed at night in, in the church. And there was one song, this is back in the, you know, 70s before fog machines, uh, the end of uh, 
end of one of the songs, we threw out sequins from our hands. They sparkle in the, in the spotlight. I'm, I'm picturing this now. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, and here it is, late night as we're rehearsing, uh, throwing the sequins, uh, you know, 10, 30, 11 at night, and Ben and Abby are picking up what they called the equals off of the church carpet and falling asleep at 11.30 on the church pews. They were, they were a part of what we were doing, whatever we were doing it. And ch- children learn what they live. It's caught, not taught. Mm. They won't long remember what you say, but they can't soon forget who you are. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you uh, for the work you've been doing both as a preacher, but really just as a dad and the lessons you've learned and being willing to share them with all of us. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. Um, so here's a challenge, and then we're done. Um, men, a lot of you were dealt a bad hand. Um, your dad wasn't there. You had no model for it. Uh, his dad maybe wasn't there for him. There was, no, there was nothing modeled there. There was nothing good. You were, you were dealt a hand of like, man, these things were not valued in my home. I don't even know. I don't even know how to do this. Um, and I get that. And maybe even up to this point, as a parent, you feel like you've kind of blown it. And you've been like, well, bad hand or not, whatever I was dealt, I haven't really done the best with this. I haven't dialed in like I should have. Um, and, and, and maybe the shame sort of washes over you about that. And, and I'm not here to pile on. What I want to say is that whatever it has been up until now, it doesn't have to be that way for, for going forward. Like you may have blown it. You may have been dealt a bad hand. The circumstances have been less than ideal for your parenting. and The decisions that you've made have been poor ones. Maybe that, all of that is true. But it can be different from this day forward. Make Father's Day 2019, you go, okay, something shifted in me then, and I decided to engage in the areas where I hadn't been engaged. You can do something different. If, it's, if, you're, if you're not physically present for your kids, um, think about maybe, hey, do I need that promotion? Do I need that job? Do I need that thing that takes me away from this responsibility in my home? Um, or or it, it, and if, I'm, if, I, if I think I need it, why? What's going on inside me there? Um, if you're not emotionally engaged with your kids. A lot of men know anger. They know sadness, maybe happiness. That's about all we got in the emotional range. And there's so much more there. And if you're not emotionally engaged, would you go see a counselor? This is the, where I've had to do the most work in my life is seeing a counselor. Counselors are not a dirty word. It's a good thing. It is a really good thing. You go there because you're, you're in your brain and you think you know, but a lot of times someone who's not in your brain who can sit on the outside and look at what you're doing and go, now why do you do that and why do you connect this and why are you making these decisions and why do you come to these conclusions? That is a good thing for you. Don't run away from it. Embrace it. Get fluent in it. Learn it. Um, you, can, you, can, uh, you can get a range there so that you have something to give to your own children um, because if you don't, if you if you don't learn to emotionally engage with your kids, your kids will grow up and they may think you're a nice guy, but they'll, they'll ultimately think that you just don't really get it, that you just don't really get them or get what's going on. Don't just handle that stuff on your own. It's foolish. Talk to someone um, because kids actually need access not just to your brain but to your heart. And then spiritually, Psalm 78 says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that are 
fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. This is a responsibility. Men, we have to pass this on our faith to our children. We value, like, like Dave was saying, we value food. We value education. We, we, you want your kids to learn math. Why don't you want them to know their faith as well? Um, jump in on that. Passing on faith is a hard thing. Um, because a lot of men feel ill-equipped for it. Let me give you a softball. We want to help you with this. Starting this Friday morning at 6.30 a.m., and I know that's early. I got it. Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. at 2810 right here, we are going to do a Bible study for men for the next 10 weeks, going through a foundational stuff in the beginning of Genesis. Sign up for that today and jump in and start learning. If you go, man, I don't really know the Bible. I don't understand it. That may be the case. You may not understand it and not feel like you can pass it on. But it doesn't have to be the case. Like, dial in. Jump in. Sign up. You can do this men's study with me on Friday mornings. Women, if you're interested in doing that same study, it's going to be happening Saturday morning, starting this Saturday. Or there's a, a, a co-ed group that's happening on Thursday nights at Cartwheels and Coffee. So you've got opportunities in the evening or in the mornings to dial into this and to lo- know this stuff and to learn and, and to grow. Um, I, I, I hope you come out of here. I, I don't want you to feel guilty um, or ashamed. Um, I have regrets too. My, my oldest is 16 years old now. And I, and I think through, I wish I had done this. I wish I had said this. I wish I had taken advantage of this. I, I wish I had done some things differently. But let me tell you, God is a God of grace. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that the scripture says his mercies are new every day. Every day I got an opportunity, if I blew it yesterday, to step up and start over. And that's the God that we serve. So let me close out by praying for you uh, men who have this, uh, this high calling that you will live it and do it well. Let's pray. And if you are near a, a, a father, um, please just reach out to them and pray for them during this time. Lord Jesus, we pray now for the men in this room that have stepped up to the role of, of being dads. And I pray you bless them. You guide them. You lead them every step of the way. God, for those of us who didn't have good models to follow, I pray we uh, forge a new path, that we will link up with some people. We will um, learn from the mothers and sisters around us uh, and, and accept their wisdom and their counsel. And we will learn from the men around us who are in this journey together. And uh, we will walk this thing out and learn to be uh, better, better men, better fathers. God, I pray you raise up um, godly men in this room that can affect this entire city, this culture because of how engaged emotionally, spiritually, and physically they are with their own children. God, um, thank you that you cover over all of our mistakes and that you are a God of grace who's there when we blow it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.